EWTN Global Catholic Radio presents The Priesthood of Jesus Christ. Father Frederick Miller discusses the priesthood through the ages from the Old Testament times to the modern day. Here is Father Miller. Hello, my name is Father Frederick Miller, and I am the Academic Dean of the Religious Studies Division of St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in Wynwood, Pennsylvania. I also teach theology, systematic theology, and spirituality at the seminary. Today I begin a new series on the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And I have really a very difficult task ahead of me because in 13 segments, about six and a half hours of time, I am going to try to present the teaching of the Catholic Church on the priesthood of Jesus Christ. In order to help you to follow these talks, allow me to make some recommendation regarding your reading. First of all, I would suggest that you take a look at what is perhaps the most important document of the Second Vatican Council. It's called in Latin, Lumen Gentium, and in English, the Dogmatic Constitution on the Church. In that document, you'll find a very clear, precise teaching on the role of bishops, priests, and deacons in the Church. Also, I'd recommend that you read the document of the Council on the Priesthood. In Latin, it's called Presbyterorum Ordinis, and in English, on the life and ministry of priests. Not too long ago, Pope John Paul II wrote an apostolic letter on the priesthood and on priestly formation, which is also very enlightening. It's called in Latin, Pastores Dabovobis, and in English, I will give them shepherds. In 1983, Pope John Paul II spoke on approximately 12, 15 occasions on the priesthood, and those addresses, catechetical in nature, have been published in a book which is entitled Priesthood in the Third Millennium, and that is readily available. Also, I'd recommend that you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Very important that we as Catholics today use this wonderful tool that the Church has given us for the new evangelization. So read the entire section in the Catechism on the Sacrament of Holy Orders. If you don't read anything else, please read that, and that will help you to follow what I'm saying and to enter at a deeper level into the Church's teaching on the priesthood. I'd also recommend three books by theologians, two new and one rather old. The first is entitled The Theology of the Priesthood, and it's written by the Jesuit theologian John Gallo. It's a very wonderful, contemporary, solid exposition of the Church's teaching on holy orders. Also, Father Aidan Nichols has written a book which surveys the history of the Church's understanding of the sacrament, and that is called Simply Holy Order. It's readable, it's not heavy reading, but it's certainly solid and substantial. And finally, I recommend a book on the spirituality of the priesthood. It was written uh, in the last century by Abbot Columba Marmion. Abbot Columba Marmion was beatified on September 3rd, 2000. And he wrote a wonderful book on the priesthood. It's called Christ, the Ideal of the Priest. And I hope that his beatification will revive a great interest in his spiritual writing in the church because he has a wonderful Christ-centered spirituality of the priesthood. 
So take a look at those books, and I'm sure that they'll help you to understand in a deeper way the church's teaching on the priesthood. What I want to do in this opening segment of our series is just to outline simply what I'm going to do in the series. I'm going to highlight some of the teaching of the church, which I think may be somewhat eclipsed in people's minds. First of all, I want to make the point, which is essential and foundational in our understanding of the priesthood, that Jesus Christ is a priest. He is, in fact, the priest of the church. Any other man who is a priest simply shares in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is a priest by virtue of his incarnation and by his mission. Jesus comes to reveal the Father to the human race. He comes to institute the church. He comes to offer himself in sacrifice and to place that sacrifice in the hands of the church through the mystery of the Holy Eucharist. Jesus comes as the good shepherd to save us from ourselves, to save us from sin, from Satan, from everlasting death, and to give us a place in his kingdom. So we find in Jesus Christ the fullness of prophecy. He is not only a prophet, he is the word of God made flesh. He comes to reveal the Father. Jesus possesses the fullness of the priesthood. All grace is in him for every human person. And in establishing the church and instituting the sacraments, Jesus provides us with the source of his grace until the end of time. And Jesus is the good shepherd who loves each of us personally and is on fire with love for each of us and who is filled with a desire that we all be with him eternally in the kingdom. Jesus establishes the priesthood so that every man, woman, and child throughout history may have direct access to him, the great high priest. The second truth that I want to highlight in the series is that Jesus chose the 12 apostles. They didn't choose him. He chooses the 12. He forms them intimately. He reveals to them the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, the mysteries of the church, and he consecrates them priests of his priesthood. Jesus forms the apostles, and on the night before he dies at the Last Supper, as he institutes the sacrament of his body and blood, the Eucharist, he simultaneously consecrates the apostles, priests of the New Testament, when he says to them, do this in memory of me. Jesus passes on to the apostles a share in his priesthood. And he also commands them to transmit that priesthood to other men through the sacrament of holy orders. It's very clear in the New Testament that the apostles establish other men in roles of leadership in the church. And the New Testament gives many indications that this leadership is established through the laying on of hands, through a sacred sign that communicates grace and power. The church also believes not only that Jesus is a priest and that the apostles are priests, but that the apostles transmit to other men who succeed them 
the fullness of their authority and power, which they themselves had received from Jesus Christ. And so by the year 100, we have clear evidence in the writings of the ancient church fathers that there exists in every local church bishops, presbyters, priests, and deacons who serve the people of God. I also want to highlight the sacral nature of the priesthood, the sacred nature of the priesthood. Around the time of the Second Vatican Council, there was much discussion about the priesthood. And there were some theologians, mainly European theologians, who were teaching that the priesthood is essentially a function. It's a job. It's something that a man might be able to do on a part-time basis. Uh, it might be a profession that a man could take up and then put aside. There was a rejection on the part of some theologians of the church's traditional teaching on the character of the priesthood, the, the sacred seal of holy orders. At the Second Vatican Council, the Pope and the bishops who were there teaching in communion with him made it very clear that the faith of the church includes belief in the character of holy orders. In other words, when a man is ordained, a bishop, a priest, or a deacon, Jesus sends the Spirit upon him in the rite of ordination, and the Spirit seals his soul with the character of Jesus Christ so that as a result of receiving holy orders, he is able to act in the person of Jesus Christ. We believe that the bishop, the priest, and the deacon are holy because they bear in their soul the mark of Jesus Christ, the character of the sacrament, which gives to them a special indwelling presence of Jesus and which renders them capable of being used by Jesus Christ as living instruments. So we believe when a bishop, for instance, teaches, when he preaches, when he catechizes, Jesus, in a very powerful way, teaches and catechizes through the bishop. Jesus continues to preach his gospel today through the bishops of the church. Whenever a priest preaches or teaches in communion with his bishop, in communion with the college of bishops, the priest also is a living instrument of Jesus Christ. When the bishop or priest stand at the altar and take bread and wine in their hands and say the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper, take and eat, this is my body, take and drink, this is my blood, by the power of holy orders, by the power of the words of Jesus that they speak, by the power of the Spirit anointing those words, the bread and wine are changed into the body and blood of Christ, and the people of God have access to the Father in, through, and with Jesus. Whenever a priest hears a confession and says the words of absolution, Jesus, in the priest and through the priest, directly forgives the sin that has been confessed. The priest, the bishop, acts in the person of Jesus Christ. The bishop, the priest, the deacon is a living instrument of the Lord Jesus because of the character, the indwelling, permanent character of holy orders. It's very interesting, I'm going to come back to this later in the series, but 
before the Second Vatican Council, it was legitimate for people to hold that certainly bishops are superior to priests, but it was legitimate for people to hold that Episcopal consecration was not a sacrament. A number of theologians felt that the fullness of the priesthood was given when a man was ordained a priest. And that although bishops were superior to priests because they had jurisdiction, because they were set over a diocese, that their ordination was not necessarily a sacrament. Strange idea to us now. But there were theologians as recently as 1950, 1960, who held that position. There are also other theologians who held that deacons were in major orders, but they questioned the sacramentality of the diaconate. And as you know, for centuries in the Western Church, there was no permanent diaconate. The Eastern Church always maintained permanent deacons. In the West, every man who was ordained a priest is ordained a deacon and remains a deacon usually for at least a six months or to a year. But for centuries, there was no permanent diaconate in the Western Church. And that led people to say, well, perhaps this really isn't a sacrament, even though it's a major order. Before the Second Vatican Council, there was extensive research done in the writings of the fathers. An ancient ordination rite was discovered. The ordination rite of Hippolytus of Rome. He wrote it around the year 200. And that rite contained the prayers for the ordination of bishops, priests, and deacons. It was also discovered that a number of the patristic bishops, bishops of the first three or four centuries, were never ordained deacons or priests, but they were ordained bishops without going through the other ranks. And so studying the writings of the fathers, studying these recently discovered ordination rites, the fathers of the Second Vatican Council taught what is the traditional teaching of the church, that the bishop possesses the fullness of the sacrament of holy orders, the fullness of the priesthood. The priest of the second rank, the presbyter, is a co-worker of the order of bishops. And with the bishop is a priest who truly offers sacrifice to God, who has the power of absolution in his communion with the bishop. And that deacons also are sharing in holy orders. Their souls are sealed with an indelible character. And although they do not share in the priesthood of Jesus Christ, they share in his ministry and make that ministry of humble service present in the church. And so there was truly a development of doctrine which took place at the Second Vatican Council. Sometimes people say the Second Vatican Council was a pastoral council. It addressed pastoral issues. It wasn't doctrinal. That's not quite exactly true to say, because regarding the theology of holy orders, there was a major development that took place at the Second Vatican Council. It doesn't mean that the church taught something new, but it means the church 
understood and articulated at a deeper level what she always lived. And so, as a result of this wonderful movement of the Holy Spirit at the Second Vatican Council, we understand with greater clarity and precision that the priesthood of Jesus Christ is shared by all the faithful. All of the, every member of the people of God, everyone who is baptized, participates in the universal priesthood. Every member of the church has direct, direct access to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Every member of the church is able to offer himself or herself in sacrifice to God by obeying the commandments, by being faithful to the duties of his or her state in life, by accepting the sufferings that God allows to come into the human life. Every Christian is able to offer himself or herself as a holy and living sacrifice acceptable to God. The Second Vatican Council clearly stated again that scriptural teaching that the entire church shares in the priesthood of the Lord. However, from the members of the church, Jesus calls men to participate in his priesthood in a unique way. Bishops and priests are not just simply more priestly than the baptized, but they share in the priesthood of Christ in a different way, a way which is ordered to the service of all the baptized. And through the sacrament of holy orders, Jesus confers a share in his high priesthood on bishops and priests, and he shares his ministry with deacons, so that in the church, the fullness of the priesthood is possessed by the bishop in communion with his priests and with the deacons of the local church. So it's beautiful, for instance, if you ever go to the Chrism Mass on Holy Thursday, where the bishop celebrates the Mass commemorating the institution of the priesthood and blesses the holy oil to be used throughout the year. The bishop is joined by as many priests from the diocese as can possibly come. He's joined by the deacons of the diocese. He's surrounded by the holy and priestly people of God. And we see in that Eucharistic assembly in that gathering of the priests and deacons and people around the bishop with the religious present prominently, we see in that Eucharistic assembly the fullness of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Before the council, when you said priesthood, most people thought in, just in terms of the pastor of a parish. Now we realize that, yes, the pastor of a parish is a priest, and he makes the priesthood of Christ present in that local community, but when we speak about the fullness of priesthood, we, we're talking about the whole people of God who share in the priesthood of Jesus through baptism, led by the ordained priests. And the fullness of the ordained priesthood is in the bishop, it's in his presbyters, his priests, and the deacons who are joined to him. So we want to look at this complex mystery, complex yet beautiful mystery of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And when we say the priesthood of Jesus Christ, we're speaking of Jesus himself as the great high priest, sharing his priesthood in different ways with the whole people of God and with those who receive sacred ordination, the bishops, the priests, and the deacons of the church. Before I conclude this segment, I want to turn for a moment to the beautiful Holy Thursday letter that Pope John Paul II wrote to priests 
in the year 2000. The Holy Father signed this letter in the upper room in Jerusalem, where Jesus instituted the Eucharist and the sacrament of holy orders. In that same room where the Holy Spirit descended on Pentecost. In the Holy Thursday letter, the Holy Father acknowledges the presence of Christ in all the priests throughout the world. He writes this letter to all priests, and he says this, In all of you, I honor the image of Christ, which you received at your consecration. The character which marks, marks each of you indelibly. It is a sign of the special love which every priest has come to know and upon which he can always rely, either to move ahead joyfully or to make a fresh start with renewed enthusiasm in the hope of ever greater fidelity. The Holy Father also evoked the memory of St. Francis of Assisi in that Holy Thursday letter. He said, speaking of the weakness of priests, their humanity. He says, for all the frailties of their priests then, the people of God have not ceased to put their faith in the power of Christ at work through their ministry. The people of God always recognize the presence of Jesus in their priests. How can we fail in this regard to recall the splendid witness of St. Francis of Assisi? Humility led him not to seek the priesthood, but in his testament he expressed his faith in the mystery of Christ present in priests, declaring that he would turn to them even if they had persecuted him, taking no account of their sins. And I do this, he explained, because the only thing I see of the flesh of the Most High Son of God in this world is his most holy body and blood, which they alone consecrate and they alone administer to others. As we begin this series on the priesthood, we turn to our Blessed Mother and ask her to help us to understand the great mystery that we hope to contemplate. Please join us next time for the Priesthood of Jesus Christ with Father Frederick Miller on EWTN Global Catholic Radio.